You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The enemy is out to minimize sin. Mm-hmm. That's that's we're living that yeah. in our culture, where sin is like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Well, you're a good person, so you know, th- whatever, it's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. It's mm-hmm. true, everyone made mistakes, but the truth is that Jesus bore the punishment of every single mistake. Hey, everybody out there. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. This is Ben Kioski, and we are here with our pastor, Jose Abaro, and of course, the wonderful Paulina De La Fuente. Good to be here. Um, I'm going to start with the question today and thinking about atonement and I guess what feels like to me listening to your message yesterday, what feels like this huge meaning and I liked the definitions that you gave, but for you personally, when, and I don't know if you can identify a time, but when did you first understand, whether it be the actual meaning of atonement, the word, or just like what that means, you know, when was a time that you came to understand that in your life? We're going deep quick. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I do remember. Maybe not. The time, it's hard to say exactly when, but I remember a time where it was probably the most powerful than any other time. It was my freshman year of college when I mm-hmm. was coming into crosstalk with high soccer socks because I would go to soccer practice right after crosstalk. We would actually leave early right after the mm-hmm. message and miss the last worship song. Sorry, Chris. He was the worship pastor then. Mm-hmm. And it was a message that was done by Grace and Belvin, and he was talking about sin and the weightiness of sin. And I remember feeling so guilty and so aware of my sin. Mm -hmm. And then he just flipped it upside down and said, and God says, I took the shame for you. I was guilty so that you wouldn't be. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that day. And I realized that there was nothing that I could do to earn God's grace, that I was fully, truly covered by the blood of Jesus mm. on the cross. Mm. Can probably point to a couple of other uh, places in counter retreat for sure. But um, that's it for me. I'd love to hear from both of y'all. When, when was the time when you guys felt that sense of atonement becoming real? Uh, that's not exactly a simple question for me. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember uh, actually quite distinctly thinking about these things when I was five and six years old and um, understanding what it meant to sin. And even though my sins were, quote unquote, not you know, minor, you know, as a, as a five, six-year-old kid, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I, I understood what that meant. And um, so understanding that sin allowed me to understand what atonement was. Obviously, I wouldn't have used the word atonement. Um but, um, you know, I remember in the conversations uh, with, I don't remember the pastor's name, but I remember talking to him and my dad, who's the one who baptized me, in preparing for baptism when I was that age, um, you know, fully understanding what that meant uh, and being able to make that uh, choice in my six-year-old brain to mm-hmm. receive the results of that atonement, and to re- which is, you know, the result of the the atonement is is reconciliation to God, mm-hmm. and um, 
so I got it then. Of course, you know, time moves on. And then as I got older, I was around uh, uh, 19 before I understood how that would free me from judgment and works. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So it's kind of two times. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah, I think totally. I don't know that it, for me it's like a moment because I think I just was saved and still had the works based really ingrained, you know? And so it's been like a, I don't know, when I was saved, it's like, wow, God wants to be near, you know? And my sin and my brokenness doesn't like push him away, but he loves me and still wants, still died on the cross for me. And then figuring out that I don't have to carry that, the feeling of guilt that you're talking about, Jose, is was a big growing area for me in time. And the reason I ask that too is because I think it's good for us to reflect it, but I also think I didn't capture that fully, you know, in with time. And so I feel like it's so like just the base of everything. And so it's just cool to hear how yeah. each other have seen that, you know, and then how, as we're thinking about beyond um, just us in this room to really try to get to a place where we can receive that fully with no, you know, my sins are covered when I do this or when I act in this way or when I get it. Um, so in that vein, and this might already be answered, but what what is the day-to-day -day impact? You know, how do I know if I've if I'm living that reality out in my life? So the three things that I alluded to in the message, not ignoring, not hiding, and not hoping that things would just disappear, mm -hmm. were really bred out of that thought is, okay, where do I tend to go? I tend to either ignore, not make it that big of a deal, or I tend to straight up hide and not want it to come to the surface, or I just hope that it'll disappear. Mm -hmm. And and recognizing that that God dealt with our sin once and for all, it's finished, but there's, he, stills, he still is asking us to take a step. And so for me, I have to remember that just because I'm saved, just because I'm a Christian, just because I wear this pastor's hat all day long, which I don't really wear, but <laughs> I have to remember that the most important thing for me is to be right before God, mm -hmm. to truly stand with my heavenly Father really in, in the most vulnerable state as possible. He knows all already. And am I, am I going ahead and, and, um, and confessing and turning from that stuff? But it's interesting that you brought up early childhood because I remember going to confession when I was a kid in Catholic mm -hmm. school. Not Catholic school. It was catechism. So that was the school part but it was uh, at church mm -hmm. and it felt really good to confess mm -hmm. my sins to the priest. And I would look forward to doing that. And I think we have that in other, in, with, with other brothers and sisters. We're called to confess our sins yeah. to one another and, and then we can be healed. That's that verse in James. However, we don't need the other, we only need Jesus. Yeah. So it's remembering to go there, to cross that threshold with Jesus every day. And Ben taught me a long time ago to keep a short list of things mm -hmm. and to not let that list grow longer because then we forget. And so um, making that a, a discipline, making that a habit has, has, been, has been really important. Mm 
Well, that's a nice little plug there. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, you know, there's a lot of symbolism in the in the story that you told on Sunday um, about the Passover and and how all that came about. And you know, a lot of times, and, and you know, this kind of this is going to end up being a practical question. So, mm. if you'll give me a little license here, you know, a lot of times people, uh, including I think all of us, sometimes we read what goes on in the Old Testament and we wonder. Uh, you know, even though we might know in our head certain facts about how, you know, forgiveness works and how it connects to um, to Jesus, but maybe talk about that a little bit, about how all the symbolism of the Passover and those traditions, how they are fulfilled and continued in the atonement that uh, that Jesus offered us through his passion, as, as the old English would call it. Um, does that make sense, that question? Yeah. Well, I— Stated this briefly, but it is a whole thing that when Jesus was celebrating the Last Supper, he was celebrating the Passover meal. So we didn't talk, we didn't go too far into the tradition, the festival that is celebrated after that. That's the actual event. In it, we get a little bit, but then um, later on in in the Torah, the first five books, Moses, it becomes a, a real important day to celebrate and remember. And it was that event that Jesus um, is celebrating in the Last Supper. So he is now God incarnate. He is saying that this this cup, which you know, what is it called, the cup of Elijah, mm-hmm. right? The third cup, I think, in in the in the tradition, um, he he is the cup of 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 atonement. He is now his blood is actually going to f- literally cover us. And uh, he is the bread that is broken, the manna, the unleavened bread, which is perfect and blameless, uh, no yeast in it. So, I mean, we can totally nerd out and talk about all of those, all all of the symbolism and stuff. The cool thing, I think, is that Jesus simplified it and said, you don't need to go through all of these rituals to remember God's faithfulness. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through me. So just follow me. Mm. Enter, enter into a relationship with me. Cross the threshold, and I will show you the way, rather than worrying about, well, I didn't go to confession on Saturday, so I really can't go up to the Eucharist on Sunday. Or, man, I didn't <laughs> bow my knee before I entered into the pew, so God's going to really come after me. Those are all thoughts that I had in my brain growing up in religion. Um, and again, religion is any man-made thing that tries to explain relationship with Jesus. Uh, we we are we have what we need in the Bible, and then everything else is extra. And some I think is better than others, but uh, we have what we need in faith in Jesus. And then, yeah, I'm going on and on. I know you guys have some some good things to say. So, what do you guys see in that symbolism and? Um, how, how does that practically relate to your relationship with Jesus? I, I, I just think of it as a completeness, you know, that, that the atonement um, that comes through the, the, the life, the, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is just a completeness of the entire story. Mm-hmm. It, encom- it encompasses all of those things, and it tells, you know, the Old Testament is all about telling the story of God and His faithfulness to the people of God. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as we enter into the new covenant with Jesus, He fulfills all of that, and His atonement completes it all and continues to tell that story that, you know, it's not just the Israelites anymore. Everybody 
is the people of God, yeah. and that's offered to everyone. That's what that's what Paul's entire teaching is right. mostly about: right. is that 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 Jewishness, that oneness, mm-hmm. that being the nation of Israel, um, the atonement in and of itself just creates that completeness of the story. It's it's really the bridge of of the two of the two covenants. Mm-hmm. And you know, with you know, and you know, all the way down, like you said, we could nerd out about each symbolism, you know, with the blood of the lamb and all of this stuff and and you know how you know, um, um, death symbolizing judgment passes over the Israelites, mm-hmm. and that 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 same blood that we get from the Lamb of God mm-hmm. is is it, that judgment passes over us, and we receive grace instead because yeah. the judgment was poured out upon the one man Jesus. Yeah. So that's kind of when I hear atonement and talk about those stories, I, I think about the completeness of the story. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and it really, it makes me think about, was it just last week that was redemption, mm-hmm. right? And something that I think uh, just God made me very aware of last week was that that redemption that we have, and even the fact that atonement is this week and the completeness that you're talking about, um, it feels like, I don't know, it brings me to like gratefulness that we have the reconciliation with God that we never could earn or deserve, you know, but we have this like complete in the sense that God's Jesus did the work, you know, and now we're living in the in-between before we're with Him in eternity forever, but it's still complete, you yeah. know? And I think I'm not pretending like I'm—that means that I'm perfectly able to follow Jesus, you know, but our reconciliation with each other is complete, and so I don't have to wait until glorification, yeah. but I have relationship with Him now, and it's funny how— I was thinking about that thinking, but even with the distractions that Jose brought up yesterday, it's funny how knowing that I still have my tendencies to go to those things with sin. You know, you would think that that understanding that I'm reconciled with God means that I go to Him when I sin and I trust Him to cover me, but instead I still have the like tendencies to go to those. And so since you brought this up earlier too, what um, do y'all feel like are your— your tendency, because I think I go to all those things, but I think I have one that's like always, like I am in a sin pattern or like thought process or something, and I find myself in one of those. Does that make sense? Do y'all feel like there's one that is y'all's tendency? And if so, why? Why that one? Why Why is that what you run to? Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I knew what mine was right away when mm-hmm. he talked about the three things, and I just try to act like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because you know I, I'm at a place in my life now. I'm, I haven't always been there, and I pray that I actually stay there, mm-hmm. where my list is short. I don't. I'm not pursuing sin mm-hmm. like in my heart. Like I don't have right now in my life a pattern that's 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 besetting, as the word yeah. goes. Yeah. You know, but you know, I still. Sin, mm-hmm. right? And so then I, you know, I, I go to acting like it's not that big of a deal because it's like, hey, I mean, I, I did this, but this isn't my pursuit. This isn't who I am. This is mm-hmm. not who I'm trying to be. I don't think this is good. You know, I'm not repeating it over and over and over in a, in a week's time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, eh, you know, but yeah. that really minimizes, you know, uh, the severity of it and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the cross, uh, what it really means, and as I've said before in my in my nerdy eternity talk, that you know every contravening of God's truth 
lands squarely on the back of Jesus right mm-hmm. now in real time because he lives in eternity, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it minimizes that when I say, mm-hmm. oh, it's not that big of a deal because it's not a big pattern or anything yeah, like that. Right. Well, it's as big of a deal as it ever was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, it's literally a lash on the back of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And so, And anyway. there's enough to separate us from yeah. God on its own. You know, that's like what hits me. Yeah, mine is ignoring mm-hmm. And not ignoring in the sense that I see it and see it in full face value and then ignore it. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of see a little bit of it, like that yeast in that passage uh, in 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, it's it's a little bit. And then if I do ignore it, it does grow into something else. And it's funny because every time somebody else brings it up or uh, I, I come to terms with it, I'm like, oh, man. I can't believe that I did that. Mm. I can't believe that that I allowed myself to, to, to not face it, not bring that to the light earlier. And man, talking about it right now makes me think, I mean, the enemy is out to minimize sin. Mm. That's, that's, we're living that yeah. in our culture where sin is like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Well, you're a good person, so, you know, whatever. It's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. It's Mm -hmm. true everyone made mistakes, but the truth is that Jesus bore the punishment of every single mistake. It's sin meaning. And whether we're well uh, well intentioned or ill intentioned um, or have ill intentions, he still died on the cross for those things. Mm -hmm. And I think, in my life, sin has become more real. And the further I become, the further along I become, the more aware of, of sin, meaning it, it gets more specific <laughs> rather than the opposite. Um, and praise God, praise God that, that it's by His, uh, by His stripes that we are healed, by, by the punishment that He did. Because if I start trying not to sin, Never turns out. Never turns mm-hmm. out well. So mm-hmm. for me, it'd be it'd be ignore. Yeah, I think when you said false hope yesterday that things will just disappear, it was like, wow, that's it. And I really do. I always say ignorance is bliss, as like ignorance is bliss, like as a joke or to rub off or yeah. brush off something. But it's so true. I just think like, well, kind of that everybody makes mistakes, or if I'm not careful, I could just be like. It'll go away. You know, like this is just a season. I'll eventually figure it out. And I thought it was so interesting that you brought up generations and kids and how we have to, I don't remember the words that you said, but those things will carry on if we don't confess and surrender and have faith and all that. Um, And so since y'all are both dads, I thought I would ask, how um, have you seen that play out and maybe i mean with kids because you're dads but also in in your world you know to your influence so to your family to your friends coworkers beyond how that idea that i like to believe that it'll just go away you know whatever sin i'm struggling with will just go away in time and so how have y'all seen the impact of that or the opposite being freed from things that then future yeah. generations are freed from too that is an excellent <laughs> question, and I think it's uh, um, difficult to. It's, it will be difficult for me to answer that in a succinct way. Um, I'd like to answer in a succinct way. I mean, maybe I could start with 
seeing sin patterns mm -hmm. broken. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, um, um, you know, on one on one side of my family, there's generational broken homes. Mm -hmm. You know, and and um, and, and I've I've kind of seen it continue. You know, in in like my and my cousins and some other things. Not not everybody, of course. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, and you're one of my cousins, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? So. But uh, I've seen it continue in some forms, but some have ha have stopped. You know, like my my parents, they they broke that cycle. Mm. You know, and so ev everybody. So so my my brother, uh, my sister, and I. You know, we're we're not going down yeah. that road either. No. You know, none of us. Yeah. My other sister isn't married yet, but uh, you know that's. And that's a simple example. You yeah. know, my parents, you know, they, they took on the the atonement and the forgiveness and the they took it on, you know. And um they broken they broke that pattern. Mm -hmm. You know, and Scarlett's parents had had uh, brokenness in their families as well. And her parents chose mm -hmm. to break that cycle, you know. And um mm. so it makes a big difference in our marriage because like when we when we first got married, we wouldn't even speak the word divorce in jest. Mm -hmm. It had no place in our house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we were serious about that. We still don't. I mean, we don't talk about that or yeah. joke about it, right. you know, because um, it's not funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's one example of something yeah. that's that's yep. broken. You know, uh, that 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 uh, a sin pattern that's broken. I mean, I see my own personality and sin tendencies in my children. They've picked up my personality. And even, this is a great story. <laughs> okay, this is real talk, okay? So Titus uh, had, had something was broken uh -huh. in, in the house, and he was, he was fixing it with his tools. And I wasn't there. My daughters told me this story. And uh, Titus is sitting there going, He's mumbling under his breath, and he's saying, this is stupid. This, this thing is stupid. This, why doesn't this thing work? This is stupid. And uh, one of my daughters said, Titus, what are you doing? Why are you saying that? He goes, oh, I'm fixing something with my tools and saying bad words. That's what men do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which is because he's seen me yeah. with something that was broken, yeah. getting mad at it, trying to fix and acting like an idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he picked that up. I didn't teach him that. Yeah. Right. But, you know, my, my sin of anger, he picked it up, you know? And so, hilarious story, but yeah. dang it, you know? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Sorry, I talked mm. for a long time. <laughs> no, man, I. That's so cool because you mentioned broken homes, and every home is broken. Mm. Some hide it better. Yeah. And that's my generational sin is broken homes hidden well. Mm. Yeah. And you put on the good facade and you pretend like everyone loves one another, but deep down inside, there's all this hidden sin. And that's where we, I just come clear. It's like, there's no such thing as a good person. Can we just let that go? Right. And instead of try to say that we're good people, let's just say that we're people in desperate need 
of Jesus and saving Mm -hmm. because otherwise we're all the same. (laughs) We're all the same. And so thankfully, I got caught early on with hidden Mm -hmm. sin. And I learned in real time that verse that says that it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance because he kindly exposed my sin and said, hey, quit it. And there were people around me that loved me, that, that, that took me away and taught me a different way of, of living. And then I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And that's when I can be real. I don't have to hide. I don't have to try to pretend like everything is perfect. Like mm-hmm. I am doing all the right things. I have the freedom to fail and ask Jesus for forgiveness and then grow through the work of sanctification, which we will talk about in the coming weeks and all of that fun stuff. But yeah, I think um, even talking with with my folks, I mean, we've talked a lot about that, 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 that culture of mm-hmm. just pretend like everything's okay. Yep. But deep down there's this brokenness mm-hmm. that is hidden. So I, I can tell you that God has broken that generational mm-hmm. curse and, and he will continue to do that with my kids and their kids and their yeah. kids feel like we should sing that blessing song. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. It's encouraging because even when thinking about this uh, series about the Old Testament and thinking about how many people are in Jesus's lineage that mm. did stop generational sin, yeah. you know, that actually got I mean, I think about the one I think about is Rahab because I just love her story. And that's a side note. But just thinking about like none of them were even the ones that seem really, really good. It's like all of a sudden they tank and it's like, what are you doing? And I think that encourages me because it's like God has hope. Mm -hmm. Um, God gives me hope. And both for myself personally and then like future generations and just people outside of just me. And so if we trying to like land, like what do we do next, you know, on those opposite, like what the responses that you shared yesterday, instead of ignoring, hiding and having false hope that it'll go away, um, confessing, surrendering, and then having faith. And so how do we actually you know, what are the next steps? What? How do we actually try to live those things out if that's not, if we're not in a place where that's like what we're practicing? Mm. Confession feels like it's the most straightforward one, but I feel like there's still practicals that we could touch on on what do we do next if we want to change. Yeah, and as the people of God, we need to be the first ones to say, we don't have it all together. Mm. We, we've messed up, and that's why we're called Christians, because Christ is our Lord. Mm. And so we are a forgiven people and a redeemed people. And so I hope that anyone that doesn't know where to go to has somebody that they can mm. turn to that has been forgiven much and can understand, oh, wow, uh, you're in need of forgiveness. Awesome, join the club mm-hmm. yeah. and be a part of, of, of the Lord's redeemed. So mm. yeah, my, my challenge to us was to cross the threshold because mm. you know I, I've been in that place in my life where I want somebody else to be the only person I turn to and I can ask for forgiveness and I can, you know, even pray with that other person. And, but yet I never take it to the Lord. Mm. And um, he, in confession, even just speaking sin out loud, there is power and there is healing, but 
there's no way that that sin will actually be atoned for unless we present it to the one who actually paid it in full. Mm. And so we have to, we have to individually all go to the Lord. Mm. I can tell you, I I have a lot of compassion for that priest listening in that confession. It wasn't a booth, it was a room. I miss the booth days. Maybe I'll go into one one day. Anyway, just listening to all of those sins, he, he, he's acting as a mediator if he's mm-hmm. doing it right. But that's a lot of burden on that one person to do all of that forgiving. Ultimately, yes, people can help, but only the Lord can really forgive. So I would say it's a both and. Mm-hmm. I would emphasize the go to Jesus, but I would definitely say, uh, you know, here at Cyprus, I mean, you can— Email Ben, Jose, or Paulina, or all three if you want, or anybody else on staff and say, hey, I'm really struggling with an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will call you, we will uh, hang with you in, in any way that we can so that um, you can receive that freedom that comes with forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. Mm-hmm. This might be a little bit different answer to the question. Um, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, that's... There's no, <laughs> there's no way to get over it um, without, without the, the, the cleansing and the comfort that mm-hmm. comes from the Holy Spirit and from confession um, to the Father. There's just no, there's no other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried many ways <laughs> to get around it and not have to confess and, and, and pretend like I'm doing the right thing all the time. And there's just, there is no other way. Mm-hmm. But I would say to people also, just lean in. Like as we confess, it's it's and and maybe if we don't have um, the practice of keeping the short list of continuing to confess, maybe that's not been our practice, and we want to pick that up, and we really want to move on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also important to really lean into the truths of your identity, mm-hmm. of who God says that you are, um, yeah. and really lean into the faith that God has given us. Um, to believe that he really sees us as approved children of God. He really sees us as the one that he created with specific gifts and talents that are good. And he really does see us as, as a, uh, not, not, a, not a mistake or someone to be dealt with, but instead someone who's favored and loved and cared for mm-hmm. and valued. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and that's actually been newly important to me because, man, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty strong personality, but this, this distancing stuff and being isolated is starting to drive me nuts. And, uh, you know, even, even I, I can say all these things into the microphone, and I'm a pretty well-adjusted person. I've you know, been a pastor for however long. I've been leading people, you know, in, in, in faith and in the knowledge of Jesus forever. But— at the same time, we have to be reminded of those truths and of our identity and that, uh, man, we're secure in him and we're who he says that we are. And we can't let those insecurities, you know, because what the enemy wants is when we think about our sin, he wants us to receive the shame. Yeah. Look at what you did. Yeah. Look, at, look at how terrible you are. But the reason that the Holy Spirit's, Spirit convicts us of our sin is so that we can agree with it that it is sin, and then move on into our true identity, mm-hmm. uh, which is life-giving. It's not shameful. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 
awesome. Um, to end us today, I have one more question, and it's mostly zooming out. I thought it was cool that you ended the message yesterday asking us um, what does this season mean and what is God doing through this season? And so asking, I think it's just encouraging to hear those answers. And so to end, what do y'all see? What's something you're seeing God do in this season? He's deepening. It's the one word answer I'd give to that. He's deepening me in every way. Faith-wise and relationships and being a dad, pastor, all of that stuff. It's a season of deepening Mm. for me. I'm usually slow uh, when it comes to... um, uh, learning new things uh, in 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 different seasons, because I uh, I tend to want to just cruise through. I'm a pretty steadfast sort of sort of dude, and so I'm just now realizing um, the sharpening that God is doing. He wants me to to hone the things that He's given me and do them well. Um, not do a hundred thousand things good enough, but to and so some things will fall away and some things will be added. Mm. Uh, I hope that's not too cryptic, but mm. that's, that's yeah. and I'm just now starting to realize mm. that. Um, not that I didn't know, but really agreeing with it and, and then trying and then actively going, going for what God wants, you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, what I'm seeing God see God do in this season is that we— it feels like I'm out of choices, but to just apply what He has given us as like biblical foundational things. I think that's where the deepening has come in because don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. It's like never has that felt like, okay, I actually can't plan. You know, that's a little bit dramatic, but I can't plan, (laughs) you know, the near future that I thought I could and would hear that verse and be like, that's so true, you know, but still live out my plans and my agendas and stuff. And now it's like, I, that's the only choice that I'm left with. I think I'm seeing that too in our community and just people. It's like, we have to, those things that God has given us that our foundations are true and they're applicable and they feel simpler, not easier, but simpler to apply because I'm forced to face it. And that's where like the deepening and the hope comes in. So it's a cool place to look forward and be excited about what God's going to do, keep doing in this season. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.